We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lekomsky, back now in my home of New Athens, Illinois. And this is Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark from Ascension Lutheran Church. Uh, I haven't moved. I'm still right here in picturesque <laughs> South St. Louis. But good to have okay. you back, John. Well, let me tell you, if you'd been in Minnesota with me, you would have moved. We had eight inches of snow on oh, the day we left. Although since they tell me now the weather's gotten a little nicer, the snow's gone, because everyone was thinking, oh, we won't see the ground until April, but apparently that was just kind of a fluke there uh, back in October. Uh, but we're settled back in St. Louis. Um, and this is, of course, Matt. Wrestling, wrestling with, with the basics. The basics. Um, you know, Matt, here's, here's a thought real quick before we get into our study today. Uh, my wife last week turned 68 years old. I'm, I'm married to an old woman. <laughs> when did that happen? <laughs> Careful, John. <laughs> you need to make sure Linda's not here this episode. <laughs> oh, no. She'll be listening. She's probably listening and even now as we're recording. Um, but I got to thinking, you know, that means I'm going to be old, too, in a few months. And, <laughs> uh, and I think it's time for me to share with you, young blood, and with all of our listeners, some of the wisdom that I've gained in my uh, 67, almost 68 years of existence. Could, could we do that? Could we start off with that? I, well, let me get out a pen and paper first so I can take some notes, <laughs> okay. all right? Yes, you definitely want to write this down. Okay, all right, very so, good. So here's number one. Do you walk, Matt? Do you get out and walk? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, Lisa and I do. We walk the dog. We have a little rat terrier, and we, uh, we take her for walks. She takes us for walks. Uh, usually it's more the case. Well, okay, so that's my first bit of advice. Now, now, I know if you're not capable of doing this, well, God bless you. Get someone else to take you, push you around or whatever. <laughs> okay. uh, but, but no, walking. And, and, and Matt, just what you said, walking with your spouse uh, and with your kids, if you've got little kids. The one thing that we have done through our whole life is we're out every day. We're walking at least a half hour, sometimes an hour. Now that we're retired, we can even do more of that. But, but I, I think the wonderful thing about walking is, number one, it's good exercise. And number two, it gives you time to be with the people you love, which, especially in our profession, that, that's hard to come by. So that would be my, my bit of advice that you should, should take time. Just take time to go out and, and enjoy nature, enjoy being with your loved ones. Uh, take a walk if, if you can every day. And so Lynn and I are talking about uh, talking about this, and it's funny you you mentioned your little terrier, because and by the way, please note, people, this is what Lynn said. Yeah, so if you've got Twitters or <laughs> emails or whatever, don't send them to me. I don't need your nasty texts, but you can feel free to do it to my wife, because Lynn says because we we're talking that people don't do this, and Lynn says, well, if you had a dog, you'd take it for a walk. <laughs> And I thought, I don't know if I want to compare my beloved wife to a dog, <laughs> but you can, you can as my beloved, if you want to say that, Lynn, although I must admit, I was thinking, Matt, you know, there's the advantage to taking your wife for a walk. 
Because some of the unpleasant things you have to do when you walk your dog, you don't have to do when you walk your wife. So, all right. There it is. Oh, boy, that went downhill fast, John. <laughs> but just you can that something to look forward to in future episodes. More of the wisdom that I've accumulated. Oh, fantastic. Or the lack thereof so <laughs> over the last. Yeah, go yeah. ahead, Red. Let me write that down. So no yes. pooper scooper needed when going on walk with wife. Okay, got it. Got it, John. I, I was Thanks trying to be insight. so gen I was trying to be so genteel about it. And you, of course, you young people, you're so explicit. No poopers. No. I didn't oh man. <laughs> I was just making assumptions. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah. Enough of that. <laughs> I don't even know. We shouldn't even had it. But but uh, I, I, here's here's some some wisdom that actually may be worth listening to. It occurs to me that if you're going to read the Old Testament, there's two things you need to accomplish. Number one, you've always got to find Jesus. Okay, if you haven't found Jesus, then you haven't understood the text. Because isn't that what Jesus said? You search the scriptures, he says, and they are which write about me. Yeah. But here's the second challenge, Matt. You got to find yourself. You got to find yourself in the text. Now, I know these are extraordinary uh, 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 stories, uh, but then again, of course they are. It's not like the Old Testament tells us that David got up and brushed his teeth. <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> Well, seriously, if it's going to write them down, it's probably something that's striking. Otherwise, they wouldn't have bothered to record it. Sure, there's and of a purpose. Course, yeah, and, and these people are all the saints that are leading up to Jesus Christ, you know? So these are special people. I acknowledge that. But I would suggest, Matt, that whatever happens to these people, that the principle behind what happens, uh, the, 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 the main points behind what happens, this, these are God's people. And, and, and it's the same way God's going to deal and treat with us. Would, would you agree with that, Matt? Sure. It's the same God, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and today, too. Uh, the same God of, of love and care and compassion, the same God who disciplines sometimes, too. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. We should see ourselves in Scripture. So let me give you a quick example, a, a story that to us seems just incredibly strange uh, uh, when God tells uh, Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. Oh, yeah, that's a yeah. big one. Yeah. Now, has God ever come and said that you should sacrifice Noah or anything like that? Have you ever thankfully, had that in your life? Thankfully not. Wow. No. Hard to imagine but, what they would be like uh, to be in Abraham's shoes. But I would suggest that we have experienced that. If we would just open, uh, if the Holy Spirit would come and open our eyes to Scripture, we'd see that we've all had that experience. And and let's go to the book of Hebrews real quick, if we could. Sure. Uh, because when the author of Hebrews deals with this subject, and, and by the way, Hebrews is, is a fun book to read because that's what the author's trying to do. It's trying to take these Old Testament stories and say, no, these are your stories. These are the stories about Jesus. So here here's the way that the author of Hebrews deals with Abraham and uh, the sacrifice of Isaac. Do you have it there? It's Hebrews 11, Matt, uh, okay. starting at verse 17 through, through 19, I think, would give us what we need. Okay, here we go. Uh, verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was even able to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So, so 
the author of Hebrews points out, what's the real, I mean, to have God tell you to kill your son, that probably, that probably is an issue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and, and remember, this is all before we have the Ten Commandments. So I, if, if God would come to me and say, kill my son, I'd say, wait a second, let me go back here. Oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> you know, right there in, in chapter five, right? it says, yeah, thou shalt not kill. So maybe you're not God. I don't know who you are. But, but Abraham doesn't have that. Okay, he doesn't have the Ten Commandments to contradict it. But what's the real problem? The author of Hebrews tells us it's not just that he's going to sacrifice his son. What's the real problem with sacrificing Isaac? Yeah, so it's through Isaac shall your offspring be named. So God had already made this promise to Abraham, right, that all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him, uh, through his offspring. So what's going on now that God is telling him to, to sacrifice his offspring? So, so that's the real issue, that God seems to be reneging, right? Do you, do you young folks, do you use that word, reneging? Reneging and reneging. Some of my folky axioms people don't use anymore. But when I was a boy, we talked about reneging on the deal. <laughs> but you do know what that word means, yes, though, right? Yeah, yeah, I do know yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm picking up what you're laying down, John. I got you. Oh, picking up what you're laying down. <laughs> so, so that's what it looks like. It looks like God's taken back His promises. And, and Matt, I, now, now you've had some of this already, uh, but the older you get, it, this happens. Not all the times, but it does happen where it seems like God has gone back on His promises. It, it happens exactly in the same situation when we lose our loved ones. You know. When we lose our loved ones, like, wait a second, you, you gave this person to me and said that we we're going to be together and love each other. And all of a sudden they, they, they're gone. Or, or in my case, you know, I've got I've got a, a son and a daughter that have this terrible uh, neurological disease that, that killed my first wife. And I know hopefully not anytime soon, but probably 10, 20 years from now, it probably is going to do. And why would you do that, Lord? I thought you were a God of love. You gave me these children. Now you're going to turn around and take them away from me. So, so in that respect, we all are confronted with this where God does something. And it seems like he's taken back his promises. You know, he's, he's reneged on the deal. Um, and, and so the other Hebrews tells us, what was the only thing that, that Abraham could hold on to in the face of the fact it looked like God was going back on his promises? Yeah, I think that's interesting. It says that uh, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. Yeah, that's interesting. So it's, it's not that God would come back on his promise, but that God was going to fulfill it in a much different way, <laughs> perhaps than Abraham first anticipated. And, and so that's the same for us. We lose loved ones, and it's really, really sad, and it makes us really, really sad, and it should make us really sad. But see, we got that same promise. Uh, we know there is a resurrection from the dead, and, and when that happens, uh, then things will be set right, and then everything that God said he was going to do for us will be true. In fact, it will be a hundred times better, Jesus says, than anything that God gave us here. Um, and, and, and so there you go. It's just an example of where a story that seems so different, and yet it is our story, and, and it's the same promise. By the way, what, what's the Jesus issue here? What's the Jesus issue? Because like I said, you got to see yourself, you got to see Jesus. Sure. Well, I think uh, ultimately Jesus is the one that's been promised to Abraham, the one that will be the blessing to Abraham's descendants, to all nations, right, including us. And God ultimately doesn't renege on that promise, right? Even though it looks like he does. No, he's, he uh, spares 
uh, Isaac so that uh, the Savior can come. Um, and in addition to that, too, um, I think it's this, this foreshadowing of Jesus, right? That the Father, not Abraham, but God the Father, is going to allow his son to be killed. You know, he's not going to spare his son. He's not going to stop it at the last second. But he allows his son, Jesus Christ, to be killed, uh, to be cut down uh, when he dies that death on the cross. So, so thank you, Matt. So there it is, Jesus as clear as day. In fact, without Jesus, this story is just weird. That's all there is. And then also the us, the fact that God sometimes does seem to, to renege on his promises, but he doesn't, he doesn't. And we'll all see that in the resurrection. Now, another story, another story. First Samuel 30, as we try to illustrate the fact that everything is about Jesus and everything is about us. First Samuel 30, if you want to start reading there, uh, and I'll tell you when to stop, Matt. Okay, First Samuel chapter 30. Okay, so here's David now. Uh, yeah. Now, when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negeb and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women of and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also had been taken captive. Ahinom of Jezreel, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because of all the people were bitter in soul, each of his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. So, so David's having a bad day. <laughs> yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So, so at this point, by the way, David has been anointed king, but of course he's not king. In fact, he's fleeing, he's hiding, he's on the run because the existing king Saul is trying to kill him. Uh, he had been hanging out with the Philistines for a while. Uh, uh, you know, they had actually offered him some protection. Uh, but now even his Philistine buddies have abandoned him because the Philistines are going to go to war with Israel. And they say, ah, I don't know, David. You know, you've done some good things for us, but I don't think we trust you to go with us into battle against your own people. So he's been rejected by, by uh, the, the, the people of Israel. He's been rejected by the Philistines. He returns back to his home camp at Ziklig and finds that it's been burnt to the ground and his wife and children have all been taken away. And then, then what else happens? As if it wasn't bad enough. But what happens to his own followers? Yeah, then his own people are ready to stone him, uh, to kill David <laughs> by throwing rocks at him. Yeah, so they're a little upset too because it's their wives and children that have been taken too. And so maybe this is all your fault, David, and they're ready to stone him to death. Now again, we don't seldom have, day, but you know, Matt, that day when you fell out of the tree. Yeah, yeah. What, what was that like? Just tell us for a little bit what that was like when all of a sudden you realize, yeah, what was that like? Well, it wasn't fun. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> fell out of a tree and um, just the initial shock of what just happened. And then uh, the, those broken vertebrae that I experienced, a lot of pain. Um, and, and just the not knowing, the confusion. What Am I injured? How badly am I injured? What's going to happen next? Uh, not knowing what the future holds was probably just as bad as as the pain itself and the break itself, just the uncertainty 
uh, that comes with something like that. Because you could have been paralyzed. At that point, you don't know. Yeah, maybe you're not ever going to walk again. I, I mean, we just praise God that things worked out as well as they had. I'm really sorry about the head injury. We've noticed there's a little difference about you, Matt, since that. <laughs> I did have a confusion. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, we can't tell the difference, to be honest with you. <laughs> but no, I'm sorry. Yeah, some, some say it's helped. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I've heard that opinion, too. Uh, and of course, you know, I had the heart attack. And it's just like you said, yeah. it's just so scary because you don't know what's going to happen or anything. All right. So my point is, yeah, we all have days like this where, again, it seems like God's reneging on his promise, right? You just were having a nice weekend with your kids. What a wonderful thing to take that time to be with your family. And then, boom, this this thing happens. We're down in Florida visiting my father-in-law, just having a good little family reunion. And, boom, I'm having emergency surgery. So these things happen. And we don't expect them. We don't anticipate them. But here's the key thing. What does David do? What, what, what's, what's it say he does in that last verse there that you read, verse 6? Yeah, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. So, so there's the lesson, people. Yeah, even good people, even people God loves, even God's children, they have struggles and trials. And here's the solution. Don't, don't rely on yourself. Don't think it's about you kind of, uh, you know, pulling yourself by your own bootstraps and, oh, I'm going to be brave and I'm going to be courageous. No, 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 no. You cannot do that. But you can rely on the strength of the Lord. The Lord is still there. He has not abandoned you. That's the one thing you can't trust. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, no matter what's happened, no matter how you feel even. Uh, the Lord is still with you. But now I want you to read these next few verses, because again, it seems like, well, this isn't what happens to us. And yet, maybe it does. Uh, go ahead and, and read uh, the next few verses. Okay. Uh, verse 7, And David said to Abathar, the priest, the son of Amalek, Bring me the ephod. So Abithar brought the ephod to David, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? He answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. So All right, David, let's just, let's just okay. stop there. Let's just stop. Um, so what does David do? What, what's he immediately do? What's the yeah. practical thing he does? Sure. So he he talks to the the priest, and uh, he's got this ephod going on. That's a uh, you know I don't know how much that connects to us now, John. But um, uh, but then I think what does connect to us, and I think you're exactly right, is he inquires of the Lord, right? So it's an example of David coming to God in prayer. So 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 there you go. Thank you. That, let me not make it more complicated than it is. <laughs> How do you get the strength of the Lord? You turn to him in prayer. <laughs> and you turn to him in prayer because you know he's going to give you the strength. You don't turn to him in prayer because you're trying to manipulate him, but because you know he loves you and cares for you. So yeah, you got problems? Ask him. Talk to him about it. You have not because you ask not, the Bible says. Now the problem, as you pointed out, is we don't have an ephod. <laughs> now, <laughs> I if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but the, the ephod was like this thing that the priest wore, and, and on the ephod there was the urim and the thummim. I'm not yeah, I don't know if I yeah. yeah, and somehow these stones could kind of predict the future or give you guidance or whatever. Yeah, almost uh, like almost like casting lots. Only yeah, they're built into the the priest's garments. Uh, and, and so we don't we don't have that. We don't have Urim and Thuman, and we don't have an ephod to go to. But here's the thing that occurred to me. This is probably not the answer that David wanted to hear. You, you have to remember the people that had kidnapped the Amalekites, 
They don't have a Ziklag. They don't have a city. They don't have a country. Uh, these guys are mo- uh, nomads. They just go from one location to the other. To find them in the middle of the wilderness is probably an almost impossible task to accomplish. It's just not going to happen, <laughs> okay? Uh, and that's why they're inquiring because naturally you think, well, let's go find them. That wouldn't isn't that what you would do if your if you if your child was lost, your wife yeah, was lost? Yeah, if my wife's gone, yeah, that's what I'm doing. But but in this case, you're thinking, I don't even know where to look. Which way do we turn? I don't know whether to go north, south, west, east. Maybe we shouldn't. Maybe it's just an effort and frustration. And that's and they're actually probably expecting God to say, nope, I'm sorry. Uh, they're gone. You'll never see them again. Uh, and so actually, it's probably not the answer they're looking for when he says, well, no, no, go after them. Because, well, the ephod isn't telling them where to go. It's not giving them directions. It doesn't say, well, you'll find them to the northeast of here. It just says, nope, you ought to go pursue. Um, And here's the parallel I see. Jesus comes in the Garden of Gethsemane and says, Lord, should I suffer and die? And, of course, we know in his human nature, he's saying, no, let's not do that. (laughs) Take this cup away from me. And yet, what does the Lord tell him? Yeah, well, he's, he, he tells him to go and, and go to the cross and take the yeah. road to the cross. Yeah. Yeah. Not my will, thy will be done. So maybe you don't want an ephod. Because <laughs> what I'm saying is if you had an ephod, God would probably tell you to do a lot of things you don't want to do anyway. <laughs> okay. Because what he's going to do is what he tells you in the, in the in the law, you should love your neighbor. And that's going to be hard. And you may not want to do that. And it may be difficult. In fact, it may seem to be more than you're capable of doing. But, of course, the word of the Lord is going to say, this is what you need to do. Um, my point is, we have it, we have it so much better. We don't have an ephod, but we have the entirety of Scripture, old and new, that David didn't have. He didn't have the beautiful stories of Jesus Christ. Uh, and how Jesus was there for his disciples when they failed, if the sea was about to overwhelm them, if they were sinking in the water like Peter. They don't have these beautiful promises how Jesus just comes and reaches out and takes care of us. And I tell you what, they didn't have baptism. They didn't have the Lord's Supper. Trust me, don't trade an ephod, because an ephod will just tell you to do things you don't think you can do anyway. It's better to have the Word of God that we have and the baptism and the supper that remind us that God is going to take care of us no matter what happens. Now, we got to do real quick, real quick, because here's here's how the answer comes. Here's how they find out where their family is. If you could read verse 11, and I'll tell you when to stop. Okay. They found an Egyptian in the open country and brought him to David, and they gave him bread, and he ate. They gave him water to drink, and they gave him a piece of a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit revived, for he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. And David said to him, To whom do you belong? And where are you from? He said, I'm a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite. And my master left me behind because I felt sick three days ago. Okay, and I'm just going to interrupt you here for time's sake. So the point is, this was a man that was with the Amalekites. He was actually a slave of the Amalekites. The Amalekites abandoned him because he was sick, and we just don't need to have that kind of people around us. And he will become the one that will lead them to the camp of the Amalekites. Now, at any point, do you think any of David or his men said, hey, I've got a solution. Let's find an abandoned slave in the wilderness, and he'll lead us in. No, no one would have thought of that. But it was God's plan and God's solution. And you know what, Matt? I see Jesus and that that Egyptian slave because he's the most unlikely savior 
Who would have thought that this is the guy that could deliver our children and our wives, and yet he is exactly the one that God uses to be their Savior? And and A.J. Spinoza pointed out, he had not eaten or drank for three days and three nights. Doesn't that make you think of Jesus, who also was dead for three days and then became the source of uh, salvation for all men and, and the entire world? So so anyway, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah, and the, the unlikeliness of Jesus, someone from Nazareth of all places. Oh, there you go. Born yeah. of a, a virgin, you know, uh, but yet, yeah, he's our savior. So anyway, we're we're done today, and I just want everyone out there who has problems and trials, pray to the Lord, like Matt said. The Lord will strengthen you, and he's probably going to solve your problems in ways that you never, ever would have dreamt. Uh, this has been Wrestling, Wrestling with, with the Basics. The basics.